I'm a covenant man. Living in the riches of my Lord and King, I'm a covenant man. Committed to Him in everything I do believe He'll come again. And I know one thing I'm gonna do till then is learn to live in the blessing of Abraham. Abraham had to reach the point of being fully persuaded. Genesis 17.1 I am the almighty God. This is very interesting. You know, the Lord is very, many facets. You know, I like, Brother Hagin tells a story when he was early in ministry and he heard a, a, a theologian speaking and he said, you know, scriptural things and things of the spirit, things of God are like climbing a mountain. You know, you climb up one side of the mountain and you get this spectacular view and there's trees and there's rock formations and everything like that. But if you climb up the other side of the mountain, same mountain, but the other side of the mountain, you got different views. You different trees, different streams, different rocks, you know. Which one's right? Well, they're both right. It just depends on which side of the mountain you're looking at. If you look up the words Almighty God and, and study them, what do they mean? It's very interesting. The Jewish sages and books like Bullinger and, and things like that talk about El Shaddai, of course, El is the singular name of Elohim. And it talks about God's power and omnipotence. Shaddai comes from and means enough, sufficient. Now, the Jewish sages say it comes from the Hebrew word that uh, references a woman's breasts, a mother's breasts. You know, when you're a baby, all you need is mama. Mama is it. Mama supplies nourishment, protection, covering. It all begins and ends with mama. Mama will die for that baby if necessary. And God did die for us. But the flip side of that, that mama will kill to protect that baby. Can I get a witness from the mamas? Well, it's very interesting because if you look up that word El Shaddai in Strong's and other scholars, they say it comes from, uh, you know, track down through the root words and everything. And it means burly. It means to, um, to deal. Let me see. Let me, let me get this exactly right the way Bullinger had it. Uh, excuse me, Brown. The English lexicon, excuse me. Deal violently with. And it also means 
to utterly destroy and lay waste. So we got the nourisher. We got providing everything that baby needs and love and protection and nourishment. And then you got violently laying waste and utterly destroying. How? how what, what? Okay. Close, 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 but I'm going to use another illustration. Pretend you're walking through Africa, all right? And you come across this wonderful scene of a mama elephant and her baby. And that mama's, you know, playing with the baby and, you know, they're throwing dust on each other and just taking care of that baby. And it's just such a wonderful sight. It just makes you want to run up and pet that baby. Oh, no. No, 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 no. Mama is about to utterly destroy and lay waste, and you are about to be a mud puddle. Because <laughs> mama will do whatever it takes and has the ability to do whatever it takes to protect that baby. Reminds me of a story. Y'all just, y'all got to bear with me. Pastor told me, I asked for a time. I asked, how long do I got? Pastor said, go. So it reminds me of a story talking about the power of that elephant. That my spiritual father, you've heard this story many times. That the, the lion, you know, the one seeking whom he may devour. The lion's walking through the jungle. And he walks up to the monkey. Who's the king of the and that monkey says, oh, you are. You are, no doubt about it. So that lion walks along through the jungle a little bit further, and he comes upon a little iguana or something there. He goes, who's the king of the jungle? And that little lizard says, oh, you are, sir. You are, ain't no doubt about it. So that, that lion's walking along a little further, and he comes across that mama elephant. And he goes, who is the king of the jungle? And that elephant takes that trunk and reaches down there and wraps it around that lion's throat about three times, picks that lion up, swirls it, and it's sticks that lion's head in a mud bank on the other side of that river. And that lion comes out, and he's staggering on there, and he said, look back over that elephant, and he said, well, just because you don't know the right answer don't mean you got to be rude about it. <laughs> yeah. Woo. Mama knows how to take business or handle business. Glory to God. It's called in the Bible Hesed. And it's spelled in the Hebrew C H E S E D. And it is loyal, fierce love. And that's what our God has for us. So God stepped to the forefront and told Abraham, I am El Shaddai. Now Abraham knew exactly who backed that covenant. Now he's fully persuaded. A name, 
Oh, wait one more. I want to settle this just in case y'all think I'm a little bit off saying that Abraham didn't know who God was, even though he interacted with him for three chapters, calling him Lord. Go with me to Exodus chapter 6. I just want to settle this so there's no question whatsoever before we move on. Exodus chapter 6. beginning in verse 1. Then the Lord said unto Moses, Now shalt thou see, this is so he's talking to Moses now, Now shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand shall he let them go, and with a strong hand shall he drive them out of his land. And God spoke unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord. Now that is Jehovah, the eternal God. And God And God said unto Abraham, I am the Lord. And I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty, but by my name Jehovah was I not known unto them. Abraham did not know God until 17.1. Not in his fullness. It had to be Abraham operated in a certain amount of faith, but faith at a level that would produce the manifestation of the impossible that God had already done and provided was not released until Abraham knew who backed that covenant. Now, in Western minds, we've lost a little bit of that. I mean, you know, I've, I know people who are named after favorite foods. <laughs> you know? And in the 60s, there were all kinds of baby names came up. I'm just telling you, there's just all kinds of names came up. <clears throat> but we, we still have an idea and a concept of the weight that a name carries. It represents character of that person, and it represents everything that person has all the achievements they've ever accomplished, everything they own, and all the power that they have. And you can illustrate that clearly by mentioning names like Hitler. Uh Immediate. I don't have to say anything but Hitler. And you know what he stood for. You know the, the damage and the catastrophe that he caused. You can say the name Rockefeller. You know about Rockefeller. So we haven't lost the complete concept of that. It's still, names still carry weight. And all throughout the old, the first covenant, through different times and different periods, God revealed different names to people. Jehovah Reah. The Lord, my shepherd, my watcher, my protector. Jehovah Hira, my provider. The Lord will see to it, is what that name means. Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord that heals you. There is no possibility. Healing is not for you. Because God has not, nor will he ever, 
change his name. It's who he is. It's his character. It's everything that he represents. Jehovah Rapha. Now, I'm going to take a little bit. It's not a side journey, like Brother Hagin used to say. It's more of a parallel track. And I'm going to touch on the second thing that happened in Genesis 17, the name exchange. He, did, he was not just calling Abraham the father of many nations. That's the literal translation. But he incorporated his name. That H represents the name of God. He incorporated that name. Abraham now bore and carried the name of God, which meant in covenant he could do anything God could do. That's why he was referred to as possessor of heaven and earth. He was Abraham of God. As we look down through the first covenant, we see this again. Because he named Abraham literally with his name. He bore and carried the name of God. So, of course, his children, Isaac, Jacob, they were inheritance. But now, in Genesis 32, in verse 27, something big is about to happen. The descendants, the seed that God promised, are about to manifest into a nation. And you know how revelations get. Don't, don't, don't. Don't even pretend. You get a revelation from God. And I mean, it fires you up. And a couple weeks down the road, you're like, I remember the Lord saying something to me. Okay, all right. Yeah, okay. We got to keep it stirred up. But you know what I'm talking about. Don't even pretend like you don't. So now we got a couple generations. We got Isaac. We got Jacob, and now the plan of God's unfolding, and we're about to have a nation of people. So Jacob's tooling along here, minding his own business, in chapter 32 of Genesis. And uh, he fights with this man. You remember the, remember the story? Jacob fights with him all night long. Struggle with him, fighting with him. Morning comes. And he says unto Jacob, he says, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. Next verse. And he said, thy name shall, no, shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. Israel. He named him with his name again. Named him with his name. But now... The whole nation are the children of Israel. The whole nation is named, everybody, children of Israel. But now, you know, we got a little more time going on and, you know, people being people, they're doing this and that and all the others and stuff. So we got to set some, <clears throat> we got to set some guidelines up here. And uh, we know them as the Ten Commandments. 
So look at me. Uh, look at me. Yeah, look at me. No. <coughs> look with me <laughs> at Exodus chapter 20. The Big Ten. Yes. The Big Ten. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 7. Exodus 20 verse 7. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. What does it name, mean to take the name of the Lord thy God in vain? Most people will say, means you're not supposed to cuss. That's what they boiled it down to. You're not supposed to use the name God and connect it with the D word. That's basically what people boil it down to. You look up that word take, and it is the word that means carry or bear. We are named. The whole family in heaven and earth is named after El Shaddai. Don't carry that Name uselessly. Vain just means uselessly. There is no reason on this planet that people who carry around the name of God should be poor. You're named with a family name. You shouldn't be carrying that name and be sick. You're named with the name. An example of that, and I'll just, we won't turn over there, but in 1 Samuel 17, and this is uh, David and Goliath, and you can preach on covenant, man, all day long on that. But if you notice, Goliath spouts off his big mouth and says what all he's going to do. Behold their threatenings. Behold their threatenings. Goliath's shooting off his big mouth, and he's saying, yeah, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and you're just a kid, and I'm going to, you know, last words he ever spoke. Because what did David say? You come at me with swords and spears and stuff, but I come to you in the name of the Lord God of hosts, glory to God. I tell you what, you out here on these streets, you need to be walking around in that name. This isn't just a, I, you know, this isn't just a, a, I use the name. You're in that name. The Bible says in Proverbs that we run into that name and are safe. Safe, healed, delivered, protected in that name. You need to live in that name, bless God. <clears throat> and now we're going to go back on the other track. But that's not a separate track because that naming ceremony, name exchange was part of that covenant. And he just realized what name we're talking about. He knows what he was just named with. Now he's fully persuaded. He is fully persuaded. Now, let's go over to John. Chapter 3, verse 16. Whew, pastor, I almost started preaching there. I had to, had to, had to rein it back in there for a minute. There. So stay on track here. Glory to God. 
John, Saint, the book, the Gospel of John, chapter 3. Now, most people think they're pretty familiar with this passage. <clears throat> and they are. But we're going to look at slightly different side of the mountain. That whosoever, well, let's see, for God, so let's go ahead and start with 16. I automatically just back up. It's part of my heritage, I think. Yes. <laughs> Verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now that's interesting. In verse 15, I should have, I should have started with 15. In verse 15 it says that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. Verse 16 says, have everlasting life. Why all of a sudden did he change in verse 17? That says they shall be saved. Because that's a different word. Saved is the Greek word sozo. And it includes everlasting life. But it also includes physical protection. It also includes healing. It also includes protection. I mean, uh, deliverance. It includes all of these. It's not an accident that he, he, you know, he didn't just substitute saved for eternal. I really meant eternal life, but I'm going to say saved. All right? So that's an important distinction there. That the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not <clears throat> is condemned already. And this is why. Because he has not believed in the name. In the name. Now over in chapter 14. Jesus speaking prophetically, John chapter 14. Jesus speaking prophetically about after he goes to the cross and is raised again. He says in verse 12, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that he that believeth on on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. So this is the time frame that we're talking about. He's gone to his Father. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do. In the name. In the name. Glory to God. Now, <clears throat> let's, let's talk about this for a minute. There are three ways to have a great name. You can inherit it like a king 
royalty. And that we see in Hebrews chapter 1. For he has inherited a more excellent name than the angels. You can, you can achieve a great name through your life's achievements or through uh, conquest. Again, Hitler. Again, Sam Walton. Nobody knew who Sam Walton was at 12 years old. He hadn't achieved anything yet. But most everybody knows his name now. So you can, you can acquire a great name through achievements or Caesar, conquest. Everybody knows those two are related. You can have a great name because it is conferred upon you. Like a knight having a name conferred. Who was the, who was the musician? Sir, Sir Paul McCartney became a knight. It was something was conferred upon them. Well, my brothers and sisters, Jesus got his name all three ways. He didn't leave anything out. The Diamond in Your Household of Faith should be required reading for every Christian couple. Dr. David Weider writes in great detail to help you understand the worth and value of one of God's greatest gifts. You'll learn how valuable the virtuous, prudent, and good wife is in the sight of God. Knowing the proper place of a woman and the relationship between husband and wife is the only way we can truly be effective. Find out the secret to a healthy, amazing marriage in The Diamond in Your Household of Faith. Order your copy today at davidweeder.org. Glory to God. That book is one of our outreaches. Glory to God. We're doing our very best to do what Jesus said. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. We're going through television. We're going through social media. We're going through books. We go out and, and teach and preach. But I want to draw your attention to Romans chapter 10. And uh, verse 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? We are going and going and going every way we know how, but we need to be sent. And so we want to extend an offer and an opportunity to you to become a partner with David Weeder Ministries to help us get this word out. Glory to God. Go to our website, davidweeder.org, and you'll find out more information about how to become a partner, how to get in here and team up with us to reach the world. Glory to God with the message of faith. God heals, He saves, He delivers, He baptizes in the Holy Spirit. Glory to God. And until then, until next time, remember, Lynn and I love you with all of our hearts. God loves you. He's always for you, never against you. And Jesus is Lord. 
Thank you, partners and friends, for helping make these broadcasts possible. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, be sure to follow us on Instagram, and you can also listen to our broadcasts on iTunes. Contact us at davidweeder.org or call us at 1-800-988-5380 to send praise reports, request prayer, or for more information about our ministry and how to become a partner.